Last week, we started a new series called This Is Fine. And we gave ourselves permission to feel all of the feelings that are going on right now as we're dealing with this pandemic. I mean, you could feel a number of feelings in one day. You might be worried about your family members one minute, and then you're happy the next and filled with hope. Maybe you're cracking up about your need for a haircut one minute, and then you're just crying out of boredom the next. One Echo friend said they couldn't concentrate on anything more than four nanoseconds at a time. And I relate. It just felt nice that I wasn't the only one feeling so strange, this cognitive dissonance. Well, what made me feel a little better a couple weeks ago was I kept seeing all these people mentioning the same Harvard Business Review article. That sounded a little fancy, but I went and looked it up. And it seems like the Harvard study people were looking at trying to figure out their own emotions. Why did they feel strange? So they called David Kessler, who studied grief and has written a lot about it. And this is what he told them in their interview. We're feeling a number of different griefs. We feel the world has changed, and it has. We know this is temporary, but it doesn't feel that way. And we realize things will be different. The loss of normalcy, the fear of economic toll, the loss of connection. This is hitting us and we're grieving collectively. We are not used to this kind of collective grief in the air. Now, why did that make me feel better? Because it has a name. All of these strange emotions, or I keep thinking, I should be better than this. I'm fine. I should be okay. And yet I still feel these feelings or feel this muddled thoughts in my brain. And it was nice to hear it have a name. Grief. Have you felt that in the air, as he said? There is an unsettling feeling among a lot of us, all of us. It's not comfortable. Collective grief. He also said there was anticipatory grief because we're all anticipating the, no, the unknown, the bad that could happen. There's so much possibility that we don't know. Anticipatory grief. And another grief I thought about was all the things that people are missing out on right now. Big events. For instance, I know three amazing teenagers who are seniors in high school this year. And we've all talked about recently all the things they're missing out on that they didn't get to do. Two of them are my nephews, and one of them is Sydney G., a part of Echo Church. When I was checking in on her last week, she told me this. I got to see people graduate, and I've already been to five proms, so it's not terrible. I guess it's just weird to know I didn't really pay attention to my last day of ever being a high school student in a building before it ended something I was prepared to thoroughly experience. Her words reminded me that there's another grief, that feeling of, if only I had known it would be the last time, the last time when I got to do this or go there or see that person in person, that I won't get to do that for weeks or months or maybe ever again. And we miss the chance to hold on to the moment, to treasure that particular experience for all that it was, try to hold fast to it. That's a grief too. So have you seen this in other people? Have you identified that what you are feeling is grief? 
it all comes out differently because we all express our feelings differently and how we cope, even subconsciously, comes out in different forms. But it's all grief. And I was trying to consider what God's word might say to us about grief. And there's plenty. And there are plenty of examples of people and experiences that deal with grief in the scriptures. But the one I landed on today was Naomi from the book of Ruth. Now often, when we think about the book of Ruth, we think of Ruth. But Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, she's the one that we focus on in chapter 1. So let's read a few verses and let's see this life of Naomi and the griefs that she bore. We're going to begin with verses 1 and 2 of Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. The first grief might be obvious, but there was a famine in their homeland. I cannot fathom what it would experience to have zero resources. I mean, right now, I feel like you can see shelves empty and people who have limited resources access. Maybe you have been looking for something and you can't find it. And there's a, a sense, a taste of that. But to have no Amazon to call on, no food growing in your backyard, to just have zero resources is desperate. And to leave everything you know. So that first grief for Naomi is leaving all her loved ones and to not know about the future for her family. Let's continue. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. So we don't even know how long they were living in this strange land, but suddenly Elimelech died. And Naomi is not surrounded by her extended family and all the people she grew up with to mourn with her. She has the grief of leaving all those loved ones and now the grief of losing her husband. And it doesn't end there. They married Moabite women, her sons, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died and Naomi was left without her two sons and without her husband. There's so much pain and loss here in this decade of Naomi's life to lose her close family members, the men in her life, the ones she cared about so much. So Naomi decided to make a plan. She had heard that God had provided food for his people again, back in Bethlehem where she was from. So she decides she's gonna go back there, back to where she knows and back to security. Her two daughters-in-law say they'll go with her, but she says, don't, you don't have to come. And in her words, as she's telling them this, we feel the depth of her grief here in verse 13. No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Naomi's grief is coming out in the feeling of bitterness. She feels like God is not on her side anymore. She doesn't know if he's punishing her or if he's angry, but she feels like it's from him directly. And that's a pain of her grief right now. Now Orpah decides to go back home, but Ruth persists and says, no, Naomi, I want to stick with you. And then in verse 18, we read, 
When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So finally, Naomi and Ruth make the trip and they arrive in Bethlehem and all of her old friends greet her. But this is what Naomi said, verse 20. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. I, why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Naomi's grief is so huge that she doesn't even want to be called by her name anymore. Naomi meant pleasant or my sweetness, and she just wanted to feel the bitterness and experience that and be called Mara because that is her identity right now. Now, while this story, this part of her story seems negative, I want us to realize that there are several things that Naomi did that modern psychologists say is good for us to do today. I wanna to look at three of those. Number one, Naomi was honest about how she felt. Brene Brown, who I've talked about before, interviewed Mark Brackett on her podcast. Mark is a research psychologist and works for the Yale Emotional Intelligence Center. And he said this, our goal is emotional regulation, dealing with our feelings in a healthy way. Regulating doesn't mean not feeling. It doesn't mean getting rid of the feeling. You're not going to not feel anxious. There's a lot of uncertainty and unpredictability going on, but you can be with the feeling and not let the feeling have power over you. Wow, I love that perspective this week because it gave me wisdom. I always feel like I'm controlled by my feelings, but to say that I can feel it, but it doesn't have to have power over me, and that's a way to work through this grief that we're all experiencing. Naomi felt her feelings and I hope that she was able to work through them. Consider the ways that you're feeling right now. Are you letting yourself feel them and move through them without them having power over you? Number two, Naomi expressed her feelings to her friends. She was not only honest about what she was feeling, she told her daughters-in-law and she told her friends back home. One thing Mark Brackett said he sees so often that pains him so much is that people are not taught to be vulnerable even with those they love the most. And you think about it when you're able to be open and share things and be vulnerable with people who care about you, then there's a deeper understanding of one another. You will be understood. You will be able to understand others deeper. Naomi doesn't seem to be embarrassed to tell her friends how she's feeling. Or if she was, she got past that and did it anyway. We shouldn't be embarrassed about how to share our feelings with other people. Who is that person or people in your life that you can go to and you can tell them what you're feeling, even if you don't like what you're feeling? Find that person. And it helps to have godly wisdom and listening ears and support surrounding you by having people that you are willing to share your feelings with. Number three, Naomi allowed Ruth to support her. This may sound repetitive, we're talking about relying on people again, but look, Naomi was willing to let Ruth come alongside her. God works through groups of people. He's always working and showing us that we were made to support one another. There are people in your life 
who want to support you. You may feel alone, but you're not alone. I thought of this example, no matter what you think of the last Star Wars movie, talking to you, Blake, I did really like this quote. Ray wanted to go out and do everything alone. And Finn says, yeah, alone with friends. And that's where we are right now. We might feel alone and we physically might truly be alone, but you're alone with friends. And I hope that you will let people in because they need your permission to support you. But there are so many people who want to come alongside you to be alone with friends right there with you. Okay, last point here. I want us to remember that though we grieve, we do not grieve without hope. Kendra wrote a really thoughtful and powerful blog post about all this grief we're feeling and lament with God. And she quotes a friend of hers that I want to share this quote today. Also, we've linked to her blog post on the Echo online service page, and we have the Echo blog posted of Kendra's for you to read. Kendra's friend Larissa said, hope never canceled out my grief and grief never diminished my hope. And they aren't meant to equalize or negate the other. They are both just true and necessary parts of living in the now, but not yet of God's kingdom here on earth and in our hearts and lives. And Kendra concluded in her blog post, we need to remember that our grief and our hope can be equal participants in our lament to God. As we're expressing our grief, that is a lament to God. And it's okay to express that and feel that as we've said, that that helps us work through that. And maybe a part of not letting that feeling have power over you as you express it is to remember that Jesus's hope can bring the balance on that other side of grief. Paul even said this in 1 Thessalonians 4. He told the first church that he kept telling people about Jesus's resurrection so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Because that's the one thing that we have. Yes, we feel grief and yes, let us feel it. But let us also at the same time hold on to Jesus's hope. This week, all the leaders of Echo Church. Our hope for you is to identify your feelings, recognize that grief and express it, and ask for other people to come in with you, to support you, to listen to your grief, and always hold on to that hope at the same time. Let's pray. God, we thank you for hearing us for allowing us to express our grief before you. Thank you for allowing Jesus' hope to balance our grief. And we thank you for the people you put in our lives who want to share that grief with us. Help us rely on you and them and be honest about how we're feeling. Thank you for the healing you bring. Thank you for the perseverance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope that you will call on us. Stay in touch. You're alone with friends.
must ever be found Couldn't garden come up from this ground at all You
Thanks for worshiping with us this week. Thanks to everyone who gave of their time to help make today's service possible. And thank you to all who continue to support the ECHO community financially. Look on today's service page for an update from our missionaries in Venezuela, as well as to find links to give online. Let's pray. Lord, you are good. You are all-powerful and all-knowing, and we praise you for who you are, and we love you for who you are and what you do. And this morning, we come to you with both our grief and our hope. We trust that those things can be used at the same time, all wrapped up into one, to glorify you and to have communion with you and to be in relationship with you. We thank you that we don't have to put on a mask, but that we can come to you honest and open and that you meet us where we are and that you promise to lift us up and to encourage us. We thank you for all of those things that you do and for continuing to guide us in our community here at ECHO. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.